Shout out for that. Yeah. Uh, a gentleman by the name of uh, Danny, I hope I said this right, we got to bear with me, is Benetong. He's uh, from uh, Bangkok. And he said him and his buddies just made that uh, for us. That jingle likes. that you just heard right there. So mm-hmm. so we had to play it, and uh, we really appreciate show. that. So, yeah. man, guys, the feedback we have gotten for that last episode, episode number three, has been tremendous. How many views have we had so far? 8,000. 8,000 views on YouTube. 70 comments or something yeah i know 70 likes yeah so man the feedback's been overwhelming we love hearing the comments and 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 reading the comments guys we're reading all of them most of the comments we like most all the comments we like reading (laughs) and uh we greatly appreciate the feedback and uh yeah like i said big shout out to danny if um i say anybody wants to send us stuff i say we use that uh intro for a while yeah that sounds pretty cool it's actually really uh Really catchy. You <laughs> brought back to Swickatine. That's a uh, good job, Danny. That's uh, it's been dead for a while, but uh, man, I hope you enjoyed that. And uh, man, that was great. We really appreciated you making that for us. So yeah. that that brought in the well episode number four of our podcast. We are three weeks deep Damn. into the Real Quick with Mike Swick podcast. Uh, we've had Not Mark bad. Hunt. We've had some good memories, some good times. <laughs> and today we have a very special guest. This is a man. He'll be coming in on Skype. But this is a man who I fought at UFC 105, and uh, it was for the number one contendership of the UFC to fight George St. Pierre. His name is Dan the Outlaw Hardy, is what he went by. Now he is a fantastic analyst and commentator for the UFC. But we've never got to talk outside of just being at events and saying hi since we fought. So I thought it'd be a great idea to bring him on as a guest and kind of go back and relive that fight that we had and relive the buildup. Um, I always joke that this is the man that ruined my career because essentially I had built myself back up to title contention, um, and this fight was to see who was going to fight George St. Pierre. And see, so it wasn't me that ruined it by going to jail. No, <laughs> well, you ruined my last fight, but oh, all right. thank you. Dan Hardy ruined my full career, so he gets full credit for that. But uh, he's a great guy, and uh, like I said, it was a, it was a big fight. Uh, we were considered two of the best welterweights in the world. We fought. Um, and he ended up winning by decision. So he ended up fighting George St. Pierre, catapulting his career, and he's had great success ever since. You know, he's yeah. retired now, maybe coming back. We're going to find out today. But he great is, analyst, yeah. seriously great. And, and you're a huge fan of his of his, his work, analytical work. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like him when he was beating you. Yeah, well, that was only two rounds, by the way, because the first round I won. Just for the record, according to one of the judges, yeah, you're right. <laughs> according to one of the judges <clears throat> and us. But, uh, yeah, no, it's going to be good to have him on. And so he'll be calling in here in just a few minutes. But I want to get back to the comments real fast because uh-huh. we have had, like I said, a lot of comments, over 70 comments. So it's going to be hard to read all the comments. Um, but you want to go ahead and pick the yeah, winner? No. So uh, every episode, for those just tuning in right now, every episode we give away free training to AK Thailand, uh, a training package. And uh, last week it was Riley McCormick. Yeah, if my memory serves me correctly, um, and, and he's already messaged us saying he's coming. So, so we got one guy. So this coming. is legit, guys. I mean, y'all literally yeah, can come and get your free training. Yeah, and so now we're gonna. I picked uh, Riley because uh, I had met this guy in, in Iraq, I believe, on a USO tour. So, it's your turn to pick the comments. So yeah, this go ahead is, and pick. Uh, it's, it's a little long, but I still appreciate it. You know, and he's, it's a uh, uh, silver dog, silver drag. I don't know. These people have weird names, but. <laughs> Anyway, he says, nice one. Appreciate the stance on steroids. Sports are supposed to be supposed to make you healthy, and this idea that steroids, EPO, and other cheats are required to perform in such a, is such a poor example. Sorry, it's a tiny screen. you got to bear with me. I'm 38 years old. Uh, it teaches kids that cheating is a way to get ahead, and they rarely hear about the consequences. All these supposedly high-level athletes who are, <laughs> who are barely 40 and can't get it up without drugs have cardiovascular and liver problems 20 years before their time. And this is where it gets good, too. By the way, I am trying to arrange a trip to AK Town pretty soon, and I would not mind earning my keep by throwing Mark around a bit if that's an option. It's definitely an option. So it's, I mean, it's an option, but it ain't going to fucking happen. But, um, <laughs> so you're going to have beef with everybody that I you bring in? If I kick everybody's ass on this podcast, you're gonna be, You're not going to be excited to see anybody show up because they're all going to have beef with you. I mean, they can... 
they, they should probably train we first. Ken, then now we got here. this guy. Yeah, I forgot about Ken. Yeah, yeah, we got two dislikes on the last video. I think both of them were Ken. Probably has two, uh, two accounts. Two accounts. So all right. So but yeah, Silver it, Dog, Silver Drag. I'm sorry. I hope I'm saying that right. Silver Drag. Um, awesome job, man. Thanks for watching. Thanks for the comments. And so message us on Facebook at the AK Thailand Facebook just to prove who you are, that you're Silver Drag. I don't know how you're going to prove that you're Silver Drag, but uh, prove uh, who you are, and we will give you that training package. And it's good to know, like I said, this is good because he did say he was already coming to AK yeah, Thailand. So it's so, perfect. So we're not trying to give away uh, training packages to guys that aren't coming to AK Thailand just as some kind of scam or something. You know, we want these guys to show up. We're going to bring them on here when they, when they come and yeah. talk about how they beat up Mark or whatever the case. It's going to be fiction. <laughs> but we're going to definitely uh, definitely have some fun with these guys. So it's cool to see, you know, it'd be cool to see people come from our podcast comment section of our YouTube to end up being at AK Thailand training and then maybe possibly coming on the podcast. So who knows what's going to happen, right? Yeah. We didn't expect to have a theme song today either. And look, look exactly. at that. Yeah. Again, send us any free shit. I mean, yeah. it doesn't have to be music. <laughs> yeah, cookies. <laughs> food. Uh, I'm a big beef jerky fan. He loves beef jerky. Uh, yeah. Who doesn't love beef jerky? And then uh, corn nuts and uh, money. Money, if you guys got any of that. <laughs> All right. But, so oh, I, uh, what, what are we at? Did we talk about subscribers yet? How many we got? Oh, yeah. So we have close to 200 subscribers so far in the first three weeks. Now, listen, guys. A lot of you guys are saying you're watching every episode and you're tuning in and you're staying kind of loyal to our, our podcast. Subscribe if that's the case, please, because we have this tier system, which is to the demise of Mr. Mark Bogutsky here because the tier system is designed to hurt and harm him for your viewing pleasure. Wow. So at a thousand subscribers, I'm going to choke out Mark on that couch on the podcast. So you will get to see him go for the first time in his life, completely unconscious. This will be a no tap rule match. I'm still probably going to tap. But. He'll probably tap, but I'm going to make him agree to everyone on camera that it's okay in case I kill him. I don't want to like be responsible for that. Can't wait for that. Yeah. So... Uh, a thousand subscribers, and we will choke. Well, Mark we're at out. 190. Yeah, so we only we're need 20 percent of the way there. So all you guys that are watching, I mean, 8,000 of you in the last episode, just on YouTube. Plus, we have iTunes downloads and everything else. Please subscribe. Let's get these uh, subscribers built up. Um, and then again, at 50,000 subscribers, I know that's a lot, but when we get to 50,000 subscribers, he's going to do a fight camp, a short fight camp, which we're going to film. We're going to update each podcast as he's going through the fight camp, and he's going to actually fight a Muay Thai fight at at one of the local stadiums. I don't want to say which one yet because we don't know, but we will get him an actual Muay Thai fight. And that is significant when you realize that Mark Bogutsky here, my friend of 21 years, has never trained in fighting or anything physical in his life. He chain smokes, he drinks. And, and now I chain smoke? Well, I just get worse and worse every episode. I'm just saying, you're the opposite of what I would expect to be. And you say I don't do anything ring. physical. I can beat you at every single thing except fighting. Yeah, throwing balls, rolling balls, anything with balls you better sports. at. It's sports. It's physical. Well, that's that's not the oldest sport is fighting, my man. <sighs> no, it's not. It's prostitution. That's the oldest profession. Oh, whatever. Professional. <laughs> it's a professional sport. Yeah. Okay, so I just heard a, a click on our old Skype machine over there. So I think Dan Hardy's waiting. So without further ado, let's bring in the outlaw and get down to what what his thoughts were on our big showdown at UFC 105. All right, so we have Dan Hardy joining the podcast now. What's up, Dan? How you doing, guys? Good? Good, man. Good. good man. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks. It's a good setup you got there. It's good. <laughs> Thank you, man. What do you think about our lion? <laughs> Am I really 10,000 kilometers away in London right now? Oh, yeah? Seems like, right, jeez. This is where you're at right here. You're yeah, 9,900 kilometers away. We did that for you, Dan. Thanks, man. I appreciate that. <laughs> yeah, he wanted to put up another uh, country, and I was like, no, we got to stick with London. I don't think London's a country. <laughs> well, it's England. Okay, so anyway, um, welcome to the show. Man, fantastic job. Uh, your post-fighting career. He's the biggest fan of your your analyst abilities. He's always going on about. I do. The way you break down the fights, just phenomenal. Obviously, Thank you. Even though I look like Guy Metzger, I've never fought before. <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, the way you break it down for idiots like myself, man, it's outstanding. I mean, Thank you, man. I appreciate that. I'll admit though, when you beat Mike, I wasn't a huge fan, but uh, you've grown on me since then. <laughs> Not gonna lie. So, how? First of all, how's that going for you, man? How, how's all the commentary and, and analyst work going? It's good. It's really good. It's, it's ridiculously busy, though. That's the only thing. I wish I had more time because you know how quickly the UFC schedule moves. Yeah. And then you throw in something like the, the Mayweather-McGregor fight as well. It just kind of 
my whole schedule gets cramped and there's, there's yeah. uh, not much time for sleep or food, but who, who needs it when you've got mixed martial arts, right? Yeah, I hear you. And, and you also, speaking of sleep, you somehow managed to make time to crawl around your house. I see you on Instagram. You have some setup in your house where you're like climbing the walls and like, explain that a little bit. Yeah, I've, I've always wanted, well, like, like you've done with with AKA Thailand, I've always wanted the ultimate gym, but mine's obviously the home gym because I've, uh, I've not got the time to do anything more. But um, my old Taekwondo instructor is a metal worker. So I got him to come over and we sat for a few hours and designed this crazy rig. And he built it custom for my house. Nice. Um, so it's got everything on it. It's got, you know, squat rack, all kinds of pull-up bars, monkey ladders, everywhere I can hang bags. It, it's, it's perfect. It's awesome. Nice. Awesome. So let's go back to UFC 105, <laughs> Manchester. So I've always wanted to talk to you about that fight and, and our buildup because it's never been done where people have kind of talked about the fight afterwards in and, and a situation like this. So, you know, I had a lot of questions for you, but obviously we were fighting for the number one contendership against George St. Pierre. Um, I know you were scheduled to fight Yoshida and I was scheduled to fight Martin Campman and then I, I got pulled out and then he fought daily and then I ended up getting put with you and I got turned into a number one contender fight for George St. Pierre. So first I'd like to know kind of what your thoughts were when that first happened. Like when you first got the call that you weren't fighting Yoshida and you were fighting me and it was going to be to possibly fight George St. Pierre, like what was going through your head? Cause obviously I know what was going through my head, but what, what was going through your head? Um, the, the whole number one contenders thing, it wasn't, I, I didn't really take it in to be honest because I mean, I was only four fights into my UFC career. I didn't really feel like I was, I was at that point in my career yet. Although, you know, I'd won my first, my first uh, three fights. It, yeah. I, I didn't really feel like that was the timing was right. Um, and it was, I was Donny and Kim, I was fighting. He got a knee injury uh, oh, about eight weeks out and Joe Silver called me up. Oh no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> Did, was Joe I, was I wrong about that? It wasn't Yoshida then, huh? Huh? Was I wrong about that? It wasn't Yoshida that was... It, no, Don Young Kim. Oh, okay. I was supposed to be fighting Don Young Kim and he, he got a knee injury. Um, and yeah, so I, I got a call from, from Joe Silver and he said, hey, Don Young Kim's injured. So immediately, damn, God, I, I want to fight on that card. I want to be on the Manchester card. Obviously, it was a you know it was a, a big event for the UK. And he said, but uh, but we've got Mike Swick for you. I was like, that's that's awesome. You know, I've always respected you, you know, watched you through the Ultimate Fighter and stuff. And and I like, you know, as soon as you transitioned into into the, the UFC and you were just blasting people out of the water with that sprint attack, and obviously the Swicker team as well, I thought, you know, this, this, is, this is great. This is a perfect fight for me. So um, it was, you know, the thing is with Don Young Kim, uh, as good of a fighter as he is, he's, he's a backpack. You know what I mean? He can make very, very yeah. boring fights. Right, right, right. Uh, and so, so when obviously when my opponent was switched and, and your name was put forward, that regardless of how the fight went, it was going to be the fight that I wanted because it was going to be a, be a scrap. So um, I, I was happy to take that fight. Uh, and it, obviously being a number one contender's fight, it added a little bit to it. But it didn't really factor in, to be honest, until probably fight week when I really started to, to realize that uh, it, was, there was, it was more important than a regular fight. Yeah. yeah. For some reason, I thought that was Yoshida. I don't know why I thought that. But um, it was eight years ago. Yeah, true, true, true. So yeah, that was I had awesome. Cheater and got disqualified against him in Japan for accidentally kicking kick him in the groin. So I would have loved that fight again, but no, unfortunately not. <laughs> yeah, no, and it was and it was good because it was in for right. you. Well, it was good for you because it was in uh, obviously England. But the English fans are they're so passionate. You know, when I fought with uh, Marcus Davis at the O2 Arena, and the fans are amazing. Like the English fans are just so passionate. Not so much for me when I fought you. <laughs> So I got, they stole I, got your hat, I got the right? rough end of that one for sure. They even stole your hat. Yeah, I got my hat stolen on the way to the ring. And I was like 9-1 and one in the UFC at that time. Man, they trashed me coming out to the ring. But it was passion. It was love, you know, for you, obviously. So, you know, you got to respect that. Um, but, yeah, the fight the fight happened. You won by decision. Um, what were your thoughts as far as me as an opponent? So, as you said, that you thought I was going to come out blazing. Obviously, I knew you had the hook. You had knockout power. So I was obviously worried about that on the feet uh what was your strat did you stick to the strategy and, and did the fight go as you planned um <clears throat> yes yes i suppose it did um i'm obviously well, the result i was planning on knocking you out to be honest but uh you, you, your toughness showed Thanks. through on that night awesome. um so as always with fights i always look at my opponent and look for tells and, and look at myself and see how my opponent would approach me as an opponent um and what I noticed with you is that you, that sprint attack that you got, you raise up, you push your chest out, you lift your chin, and you sprint forward, and that's where your power came from. 
And a lot of the time, because you were so fast, you would overwhelm people. Like you would be on top of those guys, hitting them with three or four shots before they'd even realize you've moved. Yeah, right. So what I thought to myself is, well, if as soon as I see you move, I start to give ground, I'm creating more space for you to build momentum. So what I did is I watched loads and loads of Vanderlei Silva fights for that for, for that uh, that training camp. And my only thought was every time I saw you move, I was going to dig my heels in and I was just going to throw in your direction. Yeah. Because that would not allow you to gather that momentum for your knockout power. And it would also um, allow me to stifle your attack and hopefully catch something using your momentum against you as, as you came in. Um, and I, I think, I mean, I think that's what happened right yeah, in the first round as you, as you sprinted forward. And I, I just, I managed to land a, like a glancing right hand as you were sprinting forward before you you you, you pushed me up against the fence. Um, and from that point, it was always I was always kind of trying to find that opportunity to to catch you with those shots. But you, you weren't you were. You weren't as uh, forthcoming with your sprint attack after that that first uh, that first go. Well, it's because you knocked the hell out of me. Like I, I I jumped in just like you said right there, and you you landed really well coming in right in the first. And so, man, yeah, it would have been nice to know you were so smart with your your uh, you know your analyst skills before we fought. <laughs> but uh, yeah, you you had that. I mean, you couldn't have called that better, honestly, because I did. And a lot of times I had my chin up when I came in like that, and and you landed that hook. Uh, I don't know how many times right there on the button. So that was really good. Friend. Huh? You, you stayed a lot of people haven't. You, you stayed on your feet. I mean, there were, there were so many times. There was one time I, I caught you and, and I, I could see you were hurt, but it was like, it was almost like, like, like your, your head had doubled in weight and you were trying to keep it, trying to keep your body underneath it. And I was like trying to chase you. It's not making me feel any better, Dan. That's every time we go out. <laughs> well, it's called pride. I, my, my pride is very, I have a very, like, some people have a strong core. My core is made of solid pride. So <laughs> you, you said you were going to knock me flat of my back. So in my mind, as long as that didn't happen, at least that's some kind of moral victory. Um, yeah, for sure. But it, would you say that that was, not not your best fight as far as when I watched the fight, we watched it last night because we wanted to see it again. And I'll be honest with you, that was probably the second time I've ever seen that fight because I was so bitter about that fight. And I watched it one time afterwards. But uh, we watched it last night. And, and I have to say, I, for, I mean, obviously, it wasn't a great fight for me. Um, but I don't think it was a great fight for you either. I mean, you won the fight. But it wasn't your normal, like, kind of, I guess, to this strategy, it may have, you may have held true to it. But what, how do you rate your fight as far as how it turned out, how it went down? Do you, do you think you performed at your best, or do you think there was something that caused you to maybe perform a little bit less than your best, even though you still beat me and it and it worked out for you? Um, <clears throat> there was there were certain things about the performance that, that I that I wasn't happy with that I felt like I could have done better. Um, but no, I mean, like in, in my opinion, you were the toughest opponent I fought so far. You know, I, I wasn't going to take any any crazy risks right. because right. because I knew that you you had knockout power and you also had you had a good a good submission game as well so it it was maybe a little more of a, a cagey performance but to be honest most of my game plan was based around your attack right right you know I, right. I was expecting to play much more of a counter fighter in that fight and and I think although the, although the right hand that landed in the first round was 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 obviously a good punch it almost it was almost detrimental to the game plan for the yeah. rest of the fight yeah. because you you weren't do you know what I mean? It, it yeah, was yeah. almost like it, there, was, there, was a there was a hesitation in your sprint attack. And yep. that was really what I was looking to capitalize on. You did a great job. I had to change my game plan, you know, because you, you were you were capitalizing on that, me coming in like that. Because I would come in and I'd get hit and I wouldn't see it. You have a very fast hook and, and a very fast counter. So, uh, yeah, it definitely stopped me. So I had to kind of rearrange my game plan, which didn't work so well. And uh, you, fantastic job, man. You know, I, I was going to have a little bit of uh, 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 words with you jokingly, but I can't even do it. You're so nice. <laughs> You're so fucking yeah. nice. You're such a good guy. Um, I watch that fight all the time. But uh, I'll stop. To this day? No. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh, man, great fight. And how did it feel? Because it was disheartening for me to see, you know, obviously this big influx of like, I think when you fought GSP, that was the first time in America that they actually showed at the theaters. So after that fight, I would go to the theaters, like just for movie night, you know, <laughs> and I would see a huge cutout of you and GSP on the other side. And it's like coming soon, you know, biggest fight. How was that for you? I mean, that catapulted you. You were on the cover of magazines. You were fighting George St. Pierre. H how did that feel for you as far as uh, coming up? 
It was very surreal. It, it was very surreal. It still is looking back, to be honest. You know, I mean, there was a. I remember. I remember driving into New York to do uh, to Ariel Hawani, and I was in Times Square on a big on a big poster. What What was funny though, and, and I think that, I don't know whether you know this. I'm sure you do, but I'll share it anyway. The poster for the for the uh, the fights they had taken off my stomach tattoo. Now, I, I, now Dana said one thing, but the the. The people that designed the poster said another. They told me that it was interfering with the information on the poster. Dana White told me, well, said to the press that it was something to do with, I don't know, Free Tibet or whatever. I, I don't know. It's some something he, he pulled out of a hat, I'm sure. Oh, wow. But that was actually your stomach on the poster. They photoshopped your stomach onto me on the poster. <laughs> I can understand why they would do that. So you're welcome. So you're absolutely square, brother. Well done. So you mean... You mean to tell me? Wait, hold up a minute. This is, this is slowly grasping right now. So you mean to tell me that all that publicity, all those pictures, and all that marketing, I'm already hating as it is. That was my stomach. Yeah, man. Yeah. You've got better oh, me as God. well. You know. That's oh my God, Dan Hardy. That's Jesus. Good. You're killing me, man. You're killing me. So yeah, it, was surreal, man. it was a pretty surreal time, and obviously, you know. Of course, I wouldn't have known well, that. Who, who would have told me that? <laughs> Yeah, how would you? <laughs> you think Dana would have called me like, "Hey, Mike, by the way, we need your stomach." We need to sue him. <laughs> well, that's your stomach on Dan Hardy on all these pictures. Wow, that's hilarious! <laughs> that's hilarious, man. Hey, well, that's something nobody knows for sure. I didn't even know. Um, so you, you, uh, yeah. So then you fought GSP, and and you, you had a great career, and and now you're doing uh, analysts and and commentary, and you're doing a fantastic job. Uh, I want to get a few more things out. Um, oh, first of all, I want to go back to the second place trophy. <laughs> the press conference. I got to touch on that. I had to touch on that. So for those of you don't, that don't know this, Dan Hardy gave me a second place trophy at the press conference for the fight, which was very cocky of you to do. And it worked out for you. But your own countrymen told me about that. So I thought I'd tell you that you know, they traded on you a little bit because they, they let me know that, that they were you were going to do that. And like, what can you actually prepare for that? So I didn't have much prepared. Like, what could I do? So I don't remember what I said, but I rebuttaled something, but it wasn't like much. Where is that trophy? I don't know. I saved that trophy and I still have it though, because I always plan to give it back to you in a, in a rematch fight. But obviously now we're both retired, but What's I did, this? You, he wants a comeback. I did yeah. save it. Speaking of that though, you, you are looking for a comeback, I heard. So are you going to come back and fight? I'd like one more. I, I would definitely like one more. I'd like to just go out on my terms. You know, I was training for Matt Brown, and you know how it is when you're you're in motion to a fight. You've already started your training camp, and and it, all of a sudden your opponent pulls out, or you get pulled out of the fight, and you've got that kind of surplus energy. And and I've, I've still got that. You know, I was. It's been five years now, but I still feel like that it, it's kind of open ended. You know, I, I feel like I need to close that door. Uh, I mean, if, you know, if my last fight in Nottingham would have been my last one against Amir Sadala. Right. It would have been the perfect way to finish, but in my head I wasn't ready, and I'd already started training for my next fight. So, um, yeah, I'd, I'd like one more. Um, I'd like to really try and give a, a good account of myself in there. I don't really feel like I ever showed my my fullest potential, um, and I feel like really looking back, I probably I should probably should have been in the lower weight class as well. You're walking around light right now, right? Like you just said something about possibly yeah. fighting at 155 or maybe. Yeah, I think I think so. I'm walking around about 180 now. You know, okay. which is which is a lot lighter than than I used to be. I, I mean, I was over two hundred pounds when I was fighting at welterweight. You know, but but you, you remember back then all the he was. You were big when you fought me, for sure. Yeah, I mean, you, you came down from middleweight. You were huge. I thought Anthony Johnson, obviously, he was yeah, huge yeah, yeah. as well. So, um, and it's it's funny because everybody after their career tends to get bigger. I mean, you've filled out. You yeah. you, you, you you like you've uh, you've put on a load of muscle, whereas. I've shrunk, you know. I, I, look, I look a lot smaller and leaner now, so yeah. I, I think fifty-five would suit me. Yeah, and do you have any time frame on that or no? Not, not really. I keep trying to plan something in my head, um, but it, it's so difficult because the landscape of this sport changes so quickly, um, and and it really feels like everything's on hold for the Maymac fight now. So I'm right. I'm just kind of getting that out of the way and seeing what the rest of the year holds, <laughs> but. Um, the UFC keep calling me up and, and offering me new shows. So I'm, I'm, I'm doing. Uh, I'm going out to Sydney soon as well, so I'll be yeah. doing that that event. Um, so it's it's really busy at the moment. I would like another one, but I'm 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 at peace with the time of it. When the time uh, when the time's right, it will present itself. And I've got to do the USADA testing pool first, which is massively intrusive. I mean, I think we got away with a lot during our during our careers. Not obviously getting away with a lot because there wasn't a great. Oh, so it drug comes out now. Yeah. <laughs> the, the intrusiveness of the, uh, no, the USADA program. I mean, you have to update every day where you are. 
You know, yeah. if you're leaving the house, and, and I'm I'm never at home. I'm always right. on the road, right, right, right. and I, I can barely fill in my uh, my uh, my fuel expenses. So letting yeah, yeah. you start know where I'm going to be is impossible. Yeah, and so the the new job that you have with the UFC is it fun? I mean, you're having a good time, and and it, it's a it's a fulfilling job for you. I mean, is, this is what you want to be doing, kind of. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I, to be honest, I never anticipated I'd move into this into this field. I, I kind of felt like when my fighting career had come to an end, I'd probably do something similar to what you've done and set up a gym and train other fighters, which I, I think at some point I will because that's really you know what I would I would enjoy ultimately. But um, to, to be immersed in the sport and to be sitting octagon side for all of these great fights and to be you know to, to be able to be completely obsessed by, with the sport right. that's really all I've ever wanted. You know when I was fighting. I was fighting to make money so I could be obsessed with MMA. Yeah. And now I find myself in a situation where it's my job. You know, I, I'll sit on a day and I'll do seven or eight hours research, and, yeah. and then I'll go into the studio and we'll spend five or six hours editing. And I love it. It's just, I'm constantly consuming uh, martial arts, and and there's, there's no better lifestyle, as as you know. Yeah. No, it's great, man. It's it's great for sure. And then uh, going back to the May Mac situation, I know you've had words, kind of not words, but you've had tweets with Polly a little bit. I saw one the other day that you were saying he was saying boxing's not dead because obviously uh, Conor McGregor is going into boxing instead of boxing. Or I'm sorry, instead of Mayweather going into UFC, of which you answered because that fight would last 30 seconds and be a mauling. What what's your take on that fight as far as uh, stylistically and and who do you think if you can say who, who do you think could, is well actually who do you think is going to win i'll just go ahead and ask you that and then who do you want to win <laughs> um well i mean i'm, I'm commentating on the flight so I'm, i i can't give any kind of any kind of real honest okay, okay. <laughs> this, this is what i think but the safe money's mayweather by decision I, I think that's the most obvious thing that, that could possibly happen um I, I think if mayweather can can stop kind of before the end of the fight it's going to be like a tko against the ropes where he's just kind of standing with his hands at his chest breathing heavy uh, and Mayweather's just kind of tuning him up from a distance. Um, to be honest, I, I think it's going to be a decision. Um, if Conor wins, it, it's probably going to be stop, you know, a stoppage within the first six rounds because we yeah. do know he, you know, his cardio does drop off. Um, I mean, how how he manages himself over a twelve rounds of boxing is, is very different to MMA. So um, w whether he steps in there looking entirely different to to a UFC fight, and I, I, I don't know. Um, but. You've got to think everything favors Mayweather in this one. You know, of course, the, the, yeah. the big gloves, the boxing ring, the, the, obviously the, 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 the very, very stringent rule set in which he's fighting under. But it's a credit to Connor, and there's really nothing to lose because, uh, as we all know, you know, at the end of the day, if it's a fight, Connor walks away with the victor every time in, yeah. in any way he chooses. You know, so it's kind of like it's almost like stepping out of real fighting and then stepping into tennis or something. You know, you lose at tennis, it doesn't matter because you can fight. It, it's kind of this is like a safety net for Conor there. So I think he can fight with a little more confidence and a little more um, uh, 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 aggression, you could say, because he can take those chances. You know, the other thing as well that people you've got to, have got to consider, when he's punching his way into into a, a left hand in an MMA fight, he has to worry about what comes next. Right. You know, you, you, you smash somebody with a left hand, they're going to grab a hold of you. and You've got to think about the consequences of that. In this fight... The only consequence is that he's not going to get too much time to, to jostle in the clinch before the referee breaks them. Yep. So he can really crash into, into that left hand as much as he wants. Yep. He will be the bigger man in, in, in the clinch, without a doubt. And I think it's a smart thing bringing, uh, he's brought Joe Cortez into sparring yep. to kind of you know give him some pointers and help him understand when he's going to be broken up and, and you know where he's going to be um, encroaching on the rules, you could say. Um, and Joe Cortez is obviously the, the referee that refereed uh, Hatton and Mayweather, yeah, and that was notoriously a um, a, a very sanitized boxing match. You could yeah. say, you know, he was very involved in that fight. As you know, Ricky Hatton likes to hunt the body. He likes to rough people up on the inside, and it was almost like Joe Cortez had had a conversation with the Mayweather camp and had been told to keep them apart as much as possible. So, I think Connor's doing doing some of the right things. Certainly, I would have liked to have seen him pick Paulie Malignaggi's brains a bit more because. I think he is a, an excellent source of knowledge, especially yeah, right. on, on Mayweather. But um, you know, kind of marches to the beat of his own drum, and that's why yeah. Yeah, that's why he's such a fascinating individual. Uh, and we can't count him out in this fight because he, he's made the unbelievable believable already. Yeah, right. It's look interesting. At look at that analyst. I'm telling you, man. I know he's amazing. I told huh? you. It's uh, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, work, it, it's yeah. interesting though that like uh, you know, he he literally brought Polly in off of the fact that he was talking 
trash about his style. And like, you know, this says a lot about Connor. I mean, Connor put a lot on the line by bringing him in. I mean, if, if he brought him in and got beat up by, by Polly being not Floyd Mayweather, obviously, that would have looked really bad. And not only would that look bad, if no one even saw it, that would be very mentally bad for Connor to have taken a beating by somebody who was on a lower level than, than Floyd Mayweather. So, I mean, mad respect to Connor for how his, his whole, basically his whole game plan, his whole, his whole life, you know, he, he's, he's definitely a warrior, you know, he's definitely a, a fighter and uh, hats off to him for how he's operating and, and, and going about this fight. Um, I think it's going to be exciting. I personally would like to see him win somehow because the whole reason you watch fighting is for that excitement, that entertainment, that shock. And there's nothing that'll be more shocking and entertaining and, and have more just uprising than if Conor McGregor's hands gets raised at the end of that fight. I mean, that would turn this entire, it would turn all of combat sports on its head. So for that reason alone, I kind of want to see that happen, even though I, I respect both fighters in their own realm. Yeah, I mean, it would be it would be a fascinating turn of events. My only concern, if that happens, is that we've lost Conor for good, you know. And, and exactly. I want to see him come back, and I'd like to see him fight Diaz again. Yeah. Obviously, you know, Tony Ferguson and Khabib are banging on the door as well. Sure. So there's, you know, there's a lot of good fights for him back in the UFC, and and you've got to think, <laughs> you know, he's already there's already a setup for a Paul Emanuel fight after this one, yeah. you know, and there are already yeah. other boxes out there that, you know, are convinced that they can beat McGregor, and even if McGregor manages to knock Mayweather out cold. There are still going to be a thousand boxers around the planet that would step in there and feel like they can do a better job. So you've got to think the, the money is going to probably draw him to boxing if he is successful. Um, but, you know, who knows? I mean, Connor, Connor may never even come back after this. He may disappear right off into the sunset with his little boy. And, and if he does, fair play to him because, yeah. you know, he, he, he stepped into the, the world of mixed martial arts, into combat sports. He grabbed it by, by, the, by the throat. He shook it up and then he dropped the mic and walked out and, you know, no one's ever done that before, in, in my opinion. I mean, people often fight past when they should. Um, and, you know, Connor's a very smart individual. He's a businessman. You know, he understands when to get out. I was going to say, we may have lost was, him already. I mean, think about, like, even if he loses to Floyd Mayweather, he's still got Polly, and he's still going to have plenty of boxers that's going to want to fight him. And how, how do you make a guy go from $100 million to fight back in MMA where it's obviously a lot tougher overall for however much he's making in MMA. It's definitely not a hundred million. It's going to be hard to bring him back down to that. You know what I mean? So it's like, I feel like we may have already lost him, but either way I like watching, I like his style. You know, I, I like watching him uh, do his thing and, and I'm a fan. So it's interesting to watch how this plays out. Yeah, for sure. You know, he's, he's a very personal individual. I'm looking forward to getting out to Vegas because the last time I spoke to him was on the uh, the Aldo World Tour. Yeah. Um, so I'm sure he's changed a lot since then. And, and obviously, this the life that he's living is getting more surreal by the day. So I'd like to be able to, to have a chat with him and see where he's at now. You're so lucky, man, to be there. So you're, you're going to be live at the fight commentating, I, I guess, right? Yeah. You're so lucky that you're going to be at that fight, man. That's, that is going to be the fight to be at. He's paid to go to it of our generation. Yeah. And then, uh, what did you think about the world tour overall? Like the, like how they both, uh, you know, bickered between each other and, and, and how the whole thing went. What was your take on that? Like, who do you think got the better of who in that world tour? Uh, without a doubt, I thought Connor got the better of it. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I think that it was a huge learning experience for Floyd Mayweather because he'd not, he didn't understand what, what Connor was as, as a Marxian animal. I mean, when, when when Mayweather generally puts on an event like that, he's he's bringing somebody else into his world. So they're right. stepping onto Mayweather's stage, into a Mayweather promotion. And sometimes, well, most of the time, they don't even speak very good English. So it, it's easy for him to kind of bully them around yeah. and make himself look like the like the the lead fighter in it. Whereas, you know, that first the first one in Los Angeles where he put Connor on stage twenty minutes early <laughs> and backfired because Connor just owns the stage. Yeah, he doesn't he even care. have to do anything. You know, he walks around with his with his FU pinstripe suit, son looking like the man. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and what he's done is basically that's that's you know, Floyd's allowed him to take control of the stage before he's even arrived in the arena. So I, I think Connor came out on top of, on every one of those things, even when they cut his mic. And I think they cut his mic. I mean, For I know sure. I know it's been debated, and I, yeah, they're having sound issues, but the timing of it. You know, it was it was after the uh, you want to see what a hundred million dollar fighter looks like, and he made the comment about passing the money on to the tax man. You know, like <laughs> Floyd just can't keep up with the mental capacity of Connor. He can't keep up with that kind of banter. You know, so w w when you see Floyd on there trying to like trying to say something like the tough guy, and then Connor just says a, a flippant you know backhand comment, 
on the, on the end of it, it just devalues everything that Floyd's done. And I think Floyd realized in that moment that Conor is not any, not like anybody else he's faced before. I was also going to ask you about the uh, possible, like, who knows if it's going to happen, but the uh, John Jones-Brock Lesnar uh, fight, if if that even was to transpire. What are your thoughts on something like that happening, him moving up to heavyweight and fighting a guy like Brock Lesnar? Yeah, I think John Jones is destined to land at heavyweight. You know, I, I think, I think uh, if anything, he's going to get bored at light heavyweight. He's going to clear out that division in a few fights. You know, I think Gustafson can give him a really tough fight. But other than that, I, I don't see anybody else in that division at the moment that's not that it doesn't have the potential to beat him, but it's not not ready at this point. You know, Uzdemir looks good. Obviously, Jimmy Manor were coming off a knockout. He he still looks great anyway. He's got scary power. Yeah. But they're, they're just not ready for John Jones. And I don't think anybody else is. Um, Gustafsson, because he's already been in there for 25 minutes, and he did come close, um, that, that fight makes sense. But after that, you've got to think John Jones is going to be needing to be challenged. So stepping up to heavyweight, you've got guys like obviously like Miocic and, and yeah. Badoom and... There are a lot of interesting fights up there. Even I'd love to see him fight Alistair Overy. You know, yeah, that'd be a, a fantastic one. But to be honest, I think he absolutely tools Brock Lesnar. Yeah, that's what I think. You know, Brock's amazing with that with that first burst. He reminds me of those. Remember Doom? You remember the video game Doom? Remember Doom, those, yeah, like, yeah. those like pink monster things? <laughs> yeah. He's, yeah. The first the first few seconds of the fight, and then after that, he starts to fade. You know, like we've seen him cower. We've seen him run away yeah. from guys. He doesn't like to get John hit. One of the, you know, we saw we saw him run away from your guy, Kane Velasquez. Yeah. You know, Kane made him sprint across the across the octagon. Like John Jones is, you know, you fight that guy. It's like fighting a bag of wrenches. Everything on him <laughs> just got sharp corners on it. You know, so whatever Brock Lesnar does, he's going to be meeting elbows and knees, stuff coming from angles that he's never even imagined before. Yeah. And and John Jones can keep a pace on him that even Brock Lesnar with his wrestling prowess would eventually be shut down by John Jones. It's, it's not even a fair fight, I don't think. Yeah. I agree. And, uh, of course, the uh, now that's already signed, but uh, George St. Pierre versus Michael Bisping. Two-part question on that. Uh, what your thoughts are on George St. Pierre versus Michael Bisping? And then also, would you have rather seen George St. Pierre fight Tyron Woodley? As a fan. Um, as a fan. <clears throat> no, honestly, as a fan, I want to see him fight Bisping. Yeah. Uh, I think this, it's a more interesting fight. The, the build-up will be more entertaining. As an, as an um, English I fan or a regular fan? <laughs> Huh? As an yeah. English fan or a regular fan? <laughs> I mean, is it because you're English you want to fight no, this thing? Or... <laughs> no, I, 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 I think it's you know I think it's a, a more interesting fight generally. I, I think that you know Bisping's got a high work rate. He's the bigger man. He's got good takedown defense that we saw all the way back to his Rashad Evans fight. You know, he's he's a scrappy, tenacious individual, Michael Bisping. Yeah. Uh, I, I've, I've said this before. I've never met a person that's a more natural fighter than Michael Bisping. You know, the first time he steps on the mats. Uh, back in Nottingham when, when he was getting into MMA. He, he grasps things very, very quickly. Now, obviously, GSP is one of the all-time greats, but he is a welterweight. You know, it, no matter whether he's walking around over 200 pounds or not at the moment, he's physically the, the smaller man. He's got a smaller frame. And to, to keep Michael Bisping down is something that very few people have been able to do. So I think it's a huge ask for, for GSP to come back and try and beat Bisping in his, in his comeback fight. Um, I think the Tyrone Woodley fight would be it'd be interesting, but it'd be frustrating, like most of Woodley's fights are, because he doesn't he doesn't take risks. He doesn't allow himself to open up his lungs. Um, you know, he fights. He, he, he's, he's always conscious of that power bar that he works off. You know, so he has that little burst, and then he just shuts his fighter down until he feels like he can work again. Um, and you know, ever since GSP fought Koscheck uh, and got his um, uh, it was it orbital fracture. Yeah. What happened? There was GSP got injured, didn't he? There was, or was it uh, BJ Penn did it? Anyway, there was there was a point where GSP got an injury and he just kind of pulled back and shut down a little bit. I think it was the first BJ Penn fight where he got beaten up for five minutes. Mm -hmm. And I, I just so when you're fighting a guy like Tyron Woodley, who you know has that single power that I mean, he's a murderous puncher, Tyron Woodley. There's no doubt about it. And so there'll always be that hesitation on GSP's part. Whereas with Bisping, yes, he's the bigger man, but the counterbalance to him being the bigger athlete is that he doesn't have the kind of power that Tyron Woodley has. So I think it's, it's from GSP's perspective, it may seem like a safer fight, but I think it's going to be a hell of a long 25 minutes for him. I, I just think, you know, Tyron Woodley's got that, that single punch knockout power. And given the fact that GSP, it, it's almost like there's, there's a mirror between, uh, between GSP and, and Floyd Mayweather. There was a point in Mayweather's career when he switched from pretty boy to money. Yeah. And you could see, 
immediately he stopped, he stopped taking risks. Yeah. He started to calculate his way into the fights and understand how he wins on points. And then if the opportunity to win before that presents itself, then, then you take it. No, he was. He did a great interview yesterday, and and the way he the way he worded it was fascinating because I'd never really heard anybody articulate it like this. He talked about it like a like like a chess game. So if he's doing enough to control his opponent, it's on the losing end to take risks to try and get out of that. Right. And that's where the that's where the openings come for him to get the fight finished. Yep. If they can't get out of that situation, like when I fought him, I couldn't get back to my feet. Yeah. Why would he step out out of that? Why would yep. he take any additional risks? Right. I, I get that. I'm not that kind of fighter. I I'm, I know you're not yeah, either. Right. You know, we, we like to get in there and roll the dice yeah. and see what happens. <laughs> but the champion mentality. Yeah. You know that that that's how you stack those those dollar bills, and uh, that's that's why I'm poor. <laughs> no, you're not poor, man. Come on. Um, for me, it was just like the, the only interest in the Tyron Woodley fight was the fact that we knew he could stop his takedowns, and when we were all kind of at the top, and George St. Pierre was the king, and obviously my teammates John Fitch and and Kostic fought him. I was right there with you, and you stopped me from fighting him. Thank you. Um, but. Uh, we all wanted to beat George St. Pierre, and the biggest thing that George St. Pierre had, which in your fight as well, he had outstanding takedowns, and, and his timing was phenomenal. I mean, he was so good at timing. Even Koscheck, he out-wrestled Koscheck. So it was one of those things where, like, now it's like we know that Tyron Woodley has some incredible takedown defense. And so this is a, a fighter who could possibly shuck those takedowns and have that explosive power to really, you know, you know, mix it up a little bit more on the feet. So that that was the interest I had in that fight particularly. Um, I think overall, in my opinion, uh, technically, he's more well-rounded than Bisping at this. I mean, I don't know at this stage because he's been out for a while, but definitely in his prime. I mean, I think he was one of the most well-rounded fighters in the sport. I mean, when you look at just technique-wise. So that's why I was more interested a little bit more in the Tyron Woodley fight, just just for the fact that Tyron could probably shuck his takedowns and possibly get, you know, get some different avenues of, of attack on him and, and and get him to fight a different game plan than, than he usually has. Yeah, yeah, for sure. My, my, my concern with Woodley, though, is that... <clears throat> so so, let, so let's, imagine it, let's imagine that fight's made and let's imagine it plays out. So this is the first round. GSP comes out, he tries two or three takedowns, and they both get stopped by Tyron Woodley. Now, Tyron Woodley's breathing a little bit heavier because obviously GSP's got good timing, he's got good chain wrestling, he's yeah, able to stitch yeah. things together very well. But Tyron Woodley, as we know, he's a great wrestler, he's very powerful, so he's able to stay on his feet. GSP comes in for the third attempt, and Tyron cracks him with that big right hand. Yeah. And now you've got Tyron Woodley, who doesn't want to step outside of his game plan because he's waiting for the right hand, right. and he's waiting for the takedown to defend. And you've got GSP who doesn't want to close that distance because he doesn't want to get cracked and he's already failed two takedowns. So then we get another 20 minutes of standing staring at each other. Yeah. That's my yeah. concern about that fight. It, it, with, with Bisping, you'll always know what you're going to get with Bisping. You're right. He's always going to fight. You know? So I don't think GSP is going to be as concerned with Bisping's power, which means he'll be able to keep a pace on him. The difference is here, G, BS, Bisping's not the athlete that, that GSP is. He's not the martial artist, in my opinion, that GSP is. The mixed martial artist, shall we say. But Bisping has a mentality that keeps him in, in every fight yeah. because he will continually grind. And I don't think GSP has that grind. He has the grind if he's in control. But if things aren't going his way, he begins, he starts to come apart at the seams a little bit. And I think Bisping can do that to him. Yeah. No, it's, it's actually very clever. I mean, it, it's, it's definitely a good analogy. And uh, you're right. He's going to bring the fight to him for sure. So that's... Uh, Good analogy. Yeah, that's why, told you, that's why you just that's why you're doing your job and, and yeah. this guy's such a big fan of you. So uh but okay, so I gotta also ask you about my gym in Thailand. When are you gonna come out? You've said you're gonna come out and train with us. Uh when can we expect Dan Hardy coming out and uh training at AK Thailand? You know, I, I will come out, you have my word, I have to come out. It's literally it's finding a window in my schedule to, to get out there. Yeah. I have never been to Thailand, can you believe oh, that? No. Really? No, never. I've impressed Muay Thai since I was thirteen. Never been to Thailand. Wow, I didn't know that. No, unbelievable. I, I'm, I've been everywhere else in the world, but for some reason, Thailand has always evaded me. Every time there was an opportunity, something else just jumped in, in, in my path. So um, I, I will get out there, and, and AK is the top of my list. I will definitely be coming to see you guys. Well, we'll take Maybe care of you, man. Give me the trophy back. Maybe you can choke me out in the gym and give me the run-up trophy back. Okay, <laughs> okay, I will. I will do that. <laughs> uh, yeah, we'll definitely show you Thailand, man. We'll make, we'll make you a trip very nice, and you'll have a great time. Uh, and before we close out, man, any questions you have or anything you want to know or any thoughts or are you good? 
Yeah, what well, no, what's it like for you being being a coach now and go, I mean, rising looks amazing. So yeah. talk to me about you know what it's like being a coach and and kind of overseeing these 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 world class fighters training camps. Man, it's good. You know, it's like when you imagine fighting and then what you're going to do after fighting, I imagine this is kind of the perfect thing for me, you know, because I have the gym in Thailand. Um, I'm training these world-class fighters now with Amir, uh, Ali Akbari, Anastasia Yankova. She's coming up as well. Both of them are very big stars um, and so many others, so many talented guys. This part of the world has so many good fighters that are just not able to go to America or to the Western gyms yet. And, and like these Dagestan guys, like Habib, I mean, there's there's a ton of guys that are just, you know, just under his level that are over here that are fantastic. You know, they're unbelievable fighters. They have that very unorthodox wrestling that like, you know, it's not conventional and, and it's just very, I mean, they're doing Sambo since they're like eight years old, nine years old, fighting an MMA glove. So it's, it's crazy. And, uh, you know, Speaking of Ryzen and Amir, you know, he came into AK Thailand with no MMA experience whatsoever, just a world-class wrestler, which obviously is a world-class athlete, which is a great start. And, uh, you know, in, in a two-and-a-half-year period, about two-and-a-half years, we've taken him from from no MMA experience at all to now he's a superstar in Ryzen, and we just got a win a couple weeks ago. And, you know, his life has completely changed. He went from kind of ruining his wrestling career um, and and kind of being – kind of shamed for that to like starting over and trying to be honest and do things the right way and build up a, a legitimate career in MMA and he's done it you know and we've had an intricate part of that and the gym has had an intricate part of that and for that that that's what makes makes it worth it for me you know being able to see these guys grow and, and accomplish their, their goals and, and seeing this guy come up with you know in fact two and a half years ago he was fighting if you look on YouTube and search his name and put Muay Thai he, we actually have a video on our YouTube channel of him fighting in Bangla Stadium in a Muay Thai fight for $150 two and a half years ago. Two and a half years ago. Yeah. That's where he was. And now he's in Ryzen. You know, now he's fighting in co-main events and he's making a lot more than $150. Yeah. So wow. it's really cool, man. It's really cool. And I enjoy building business too, you know, and, and, and building the gym and, and, and watching the success stories. And like Mark said in, in many of these other podcasts, it's not just about these fighters, you know, winning fights. It's great living vicariously through those guys. But it's these guys coming in here, you know, you can, you can go on and on about it. But people come in here to lose weight or to uh, accomplish a fitness goal or – or just because they want to come to a cool place and train and watching them show up and be so excited to be there. You know, I've been waiting a year to come here or six months to come here. And then they show up and they're just so genuinely happy to be here. And, and to have done that, that's kind of cool, man. You know, it's kind of a good feeling. So for me, I'm, I'm satisfied. I have no intentions of fighting. So this is a, this is a no way of challenging you to a, a rematch. I am done. You beat me, you win. And, <laughs> and uh, it's over for me, man. But yeah, this is definitely the, the next best thing, I think. Yeah, and did you was there a process after fighting? Did you miss it for a while? And did you did you struggle to kind of to kind of satiate that need to compete? I did, man, and I still miss it, you know, because I'm going to the, you know, I was watching uh, Amir fight Krokop, and I've never been to Japan until uh, Amir started fighting in Japan. So I, I miss the Pride days, and and if you remember, when we were growing up. Pride at one point was the best. I mean, it was the best fighters. It was the king, and and I, I can't think of her name, but when that woman was was. Uh, calling your name out as you walked out, we met her, but yeah. uh, that was when you know you made it, you know, that was when you know, like, you're at the top, so when I'm sitting there in the corner of a mirror, and he's fighting Crow Cop, you know, and it's this, you know, Saitama Super Arena, and 20,000 fans, and they're all quiet, it's incredible, so of course you miss it, you definitely miss fighting, man, but, you know, it's just the, you know, 20 years of doing it, man, punching a bag, getting punched in the face, you know how it is with fight camps, time goes by so fast, because you're sleeping eight hours a day, nine hours a day, you lose a lot of your life, you know, and so now it's good to kind of live a little bit more and, uh, you know, kind of just help other people accomplish their goals. And it's fun, you know, it's fun. But yeah, you, you definitely miss it. In fact, I watched the fight last night with him, with me and you. And watching the fight with you beating me didn't make me miss it as much. But the buildup, like if you go to Fight Pass right now and you watch our fight, the buildup of that fight in the beginning when, when Dana's saying the two number one contenders fighting for the chance to fight George St. Pierre and it's showing our highlights, knocking everybody out. That was cool, man. Like that was like, wow. I mean, that was, I, I live in Thailand kind of away from thinking of myself as that guy. So when I was watching, I was thinking to myself like, wow, that's me. You know, I used to do that. You know, that was, that was me and Dan Hardy fighting for the number one contendership of the world, you know? So that made me miss it, you know, a little tear in my eye for that one, for sure. 
He likes it. Yeah. He likes anything that, that makes me look bad or when I get beat up. But no, not then. Not that. Sort of good friends. Yeah, 21 years. It just gets worse and worse. <laughs> Shouldn't have hit me that bad. <laughs> yeah, it, it was. You know, the, the nice thing is that we've done that. It, it's it's there. Regardless of whatever whatever else we do, we've already achieved so much, so much in in this sport and in our lives. You know, it's it's nice to be able to reflect on those things sometimes. And I, yeah. I do look back. You know, funnily enough, I, there's a, an artist in the UK called. Um, well, there are, there are two. I'm, I can't remember the chap's name, but there's, there's Joe Thompson. But I've had two paintings sent to me, both from our fight, and they're both the same punch. Um, I, I have one of them on my gym wall at the moment, actually. But it's you know, it's nice to kind of reflect back on that stuff and it, realize how, oh, how yeah. much work we put in. Is it the, uh, the t-shirt one? <laughs> the two t-shirts? One thing I did get out of this fight that, that actually went, went my way. Yeah, see, you may not know about this one. We're going to put on the podcast so you can see it. We'll put the picture up. But what happened was after the fight, the UFC did a limited edition. You might know this. I don't know. They did a limited edition T-shirt, and it was two shirts side by side. And it was me punching you in the face. Now, why they, why they put that picture of all pictures considering you won the fight, I don't know. But, buddy, let me tell you, that made my day. I ordered like 10 of those those shirts. I gave them to like my mom, my sister, my family. But – uh Yes, I'm sure that's not the one on your wall at the uh, your training facility. <laughs> but, it's wear one of those t-shirts, man. I, I definitely wear. Me right. getting punched in the face is hilarious. It, it, it's, <laughs> it's probably the only solid good punch I landed that was like. But it's weird that they put that on a limited edition edition t-shirt. But uh, yeah, those are the, long story short. We're talking about the fun times, and, and at the end of the day, like someone asked me, he asked me last night actually. You know, how was it back then? You know fighting and, and losing and all that. And it was a traumatic experience losing that fight, losing all that. But when I look back at it now, it was kind of like mixing it up with you in the prime of our heyday for the number one contendership. That was good times, man. I mean, we were doing it. You know what I mean? Like we were out there and we were we were living life, right? I mean, we were doing it. And it, it didn't work out for me. It worked out for you. It worked out for me in plenty other fights and, and plenty other fights for you. But I look back at my whole career, man, and I'm like, we fucking did it. You know, we went out there and we did something that a lot of people haven't been able to do. And it's cool to look at people now and say, hey, you know, I used to do that whole UFC thing. And and, and we, we went out there and we put it on the line and, and, and we fought. So it, it's kind of a cool feeling. Yeah. And the reality is, you know, with the kind of fighters that we both are, it, it was a coin toss. It could have gone either way. You know, and that first sprint forward when I landed that right hand, you could have done the same thing and knocked me out. It, it is what it is, and because we're both aware of that, to me it doesn't really matter what happened in the fight. You know, yeah. the story is as it is, and obviously, you know, I got a title shot after that. But we're both, you know, we're both realistic human beings. I say the same thing to Dwayne Ludwig. You know, I knocked him out in Vegas, but that was a fight it could have quite easily gone the opposite way. You know? Right. The, the, the type of fighters that we were, we went out there and put it on the line. We took risks, and that's why people liked our fights because, you know. You always knew something spectacular was going to happen. <laughs> I think that's why we both have jobs now. You know, we we both we both have something now because I think people respect at least the fact we went out there and we fought and, and we put it on the line whether we won or we lost. But I will say, just on a side note, that when you did fight George St. Pierre, I was your biggest fan. I will say that. I wanted you to win that fight more than life itself. A, because you beat me, but also because I really wanted you to win that fight. And, and when you got out of that arm bar, man, I had so much respect for you for getting out of that arm bar. Like, seriously, that... The fact that you just you would not tap, you would not give up, that gained more respect for me than any of the fights I saw before, any of the training or the or the fight itself. So huge fan, man. Always was a big fan, and it's great to see you living your life and doing good. And and I'm so happy to have you on my podcast. Uh, and and it's great that uh, that we had this conversation, man, because it it makes me feel a lot better about everything else. You know, you know, by everything else, I mean the whole you being, you know, famous and being in all the, the every magazine and every theater in America and every. I'm just kidding. You've always got better abs than me. Remember that, though. We've got a poster to prove it. Be be better, better what? Abs. Oh, better. I'll, I'll take it. it. I'll take it. That's I'll tell cool. you what. I'll tell you what. Next time, I, I want to try and coincide a trip out to you guys when there's a rising event as well, so I can come and train with you, and then I want to get out and, and okay. see the rising event as well. Sure. I've never you, been to the sites on the Super Arena. I would love to. Weren't you at the UFC Singapore? Yes, I was. Yeah. We, yeah. See, we were there. We didn't. Yeah, we were 20 feet from you. Um, we didn't, uh, yeah, we didn't. Yeah. Shit. You should have came then. You're, it's an thanks, hour away. Thanks for saying hi to us, man. I didn't yeah. even probably saw us, but you're all big shot over there. I've been hitting the head a lot. You know, we were in the. It's a bit of very easily <laughs> that suit though man that's serious 
All right, man. You well, hey, dress. again, thanks a lot, man. Thanks for coming on. I really appreciate it, man. You're a great guy. Like I tell everybody, you're an awesome guy, a great fighter. And if you do come back and you fight again, man, I'll be in your corner for sure. I hope you all the success. But I think you're doing a fantastic job at what you're doing right now. And if you decide to do a gym, let me know, man. I'd love to follow that as well. So. Thank you, my friend. Good talking to you guys, both right. of you. I look forward to uh, seeing you at some point in Thailand. I'll get you arrested right. here. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> don't don't hang out with him. Don't hang out with him in Thailand. You'll be fine. All right, brother. Take care, man. See Thanks, you. man. Catch you later. See ya. So that was Dan Hardy. Uh, wow, I was a little nervous, man, to be honest, because that's the first time I've ever talked to Dan Hardy since the fight in this capacity. We've just said hi. Me we, get, too. we get along great, and we're friends, I would say, but I've never got to talk to him about the fight. And it's cool, man, because it's emotional because it was such a huge part of my career. You know, yeah. like this was the pinnacle of my career. Not, this, that, not that you needed any closure or anything, but... Kind of it is, though. You know, yeah, yeah. it's cool to know how great of a guy he is because he is the person that, like, that one rival I had that kind of only one of us could be in that title contention and make it, you know, to that next yeah. level, and he did it. And so you always want to blame that guy. You always want to be like, damn it, that's the fucker that, you know, cost my career, the guy who ruined my career, as I joke and say. Yeah. But it's it's good when he's such a nice guy, man. And uh, So knowledgeable, too, man. I can't get over yeah. it. Yeah. I mean, it's cool. And that's probably why he beat me. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> he, he knew what knows, you were going to do. He knows his How shit. How about him training with uh, Vanderlei Silva? Or, yeah. wa I mean, I'm watching, sorry, not training. Yeah, yeah watching. Uh... He was dead on, man. I mean, he was dead on because we watched the fight last night, and I did. I leaped forward, just like he said. And I did that with a lot of fights. And usually I'm fast enough to do it. And if I can land the first punch, that will stun my opponent enough that I can land the other 70 that usually I follow up with. 70? Well, you know, between 10 and 70. Oh, I thought you were going to add up all the punches together. Yeah. So um, he was right, and, and he countered him every single time. And he countered me like f four or five really good times that, that caught me solid. And then that, sh that shut me down. And then from that point, now we're fighting both. I'm having to change my game plan to a defensive counter game plan instead of an offensive game plan where i was trying to take the fight to him and he he got the win you know so hats off to him and it's great to see him doing what he's doing really nice guy like you said and just so I'm, I'm rooting for him on the comeback yep yep hopefully i hate to see any fighter fight when they get older you know i want to see him well, he's only 35 I mean, he's, he's 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 already won two fights in a row in his last two fights it's like I want to see him walk out ahead. You know what I mean? I don't want to see him come back and, and get lost or, or get a loss or anything. But if he comes back, I'm supporting him 100. percent But well, he's going to do his camp with us. So that'll be yeah, good. of course. There yeah. you go. But but either way, even if he sticks to being analysis and, and a commentator, then he's doing a great job at that. So good totally to see agree. that. Um, thank you guys for watching. And this is only our fourth podcast. We're learning, guys. We're not the best. You know, we know we're not trying to be super podcasters of the world or anything. But we're trying to give it our we're best. Close. We are close. <laughs> His confidence is like Hardy's when we fought. <laughs> but uh, we're definitely trying. And uh, as long as you guys are entertained and enjoy it, we're going to keep doing it. We're going to try to keep bringing you interesting uh, guests. We've got Mark Hunt and, and Dan Hardy back to back. So that shows you a little That's bit right bad. there. Now that we have the Skype capabilities and all this set up, we're going to start bringing on a lot more uh, big names and interesting people in the sport. So. Just let us know what you want, um, what you want to see, what you don't like, what you do like. Leave yeah, comments. Leave the comment. Again, the shitty ones are always funny. The nice ones are always nice. But, but to anything, you know, just it's cool. Uh, and we, obviously, we answer almost all of them. We love interacting with you guys. So, yeah, I enjoy it. And 800 more subscribers, I get to choke Mark out, and he wants to get choked out. He's going to be slobbering all over the couch. What? I'm just going to go to sleep for a little bit yeah, right. if I let you. Well, <laughs> you're going to let me. You're going to have no choice. So I can't fight out of it. I just got to let you. You can't. There's no tapping. It doesn't mean I can't escape. Oh, escape? Yeah, 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 you're not going to be able to escape. <laughs> Let's be honest. <laughs> so anyway, guys, thanks for watching. Can we get uh, Can we get our, our our little jingle again? Oh, yeah. Let's get that going one more time. Oh, one more shit. time before we close the Should show we? out. Thanks so. again, Danny. Again, guys, if you all want to send us uh, some stuff to have on here, let's. Yeah, we'll anything. always accept it. Guys, for, for uh, business or for sending us emails, it's info at MikeSwick.com right now. Just send anything you got to info at MikeSwick.com and you will get responded to. Yeah. Let's do it. Oh, Danny. <laughs> we should not dance. <laughs>
Oh, I can't even do it anymore. <laughs> it's going to be in all the clubs. You watch. Watch, guys. All right, guys. Thanks for watching, guys. See you next time.